Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host, Chris Platy, and returning to the Strictly Hoop Talk podcast for the first time in a while. You've heard him a lot on my hip-hop podcast, but uh, it's been a while since he's been on the Strictly Hoop Talk side of the podcast, and that is my guy, Kenneth Inge, the guy who who runs Dead End Hip Hop, Dead End Sports, Dead End Gaming, Dead End Everything, man. Busy guy. Ken, how you doing? Oh man, I'm chilling, uh, chilling, brother Platty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm excited. Uh, we're looking at the final stretch of the NBA season, the last twenty or so games. We're gonna take a look at each Eastern and Western Conference playoff bracket and look at the bottom and the top and kind of the storylines going into the final, the final couple weeks of the regular season. So, Ken, do you have a preference? Where do you want to start, East or West? Um, I say let's start in the East. All right, let's start in the East. Let's let's keep it to our conference. That is uh, currently, actually, as we're recording this, funny enough, my Pistons and your Hawks are playing each other right now um, as we speak. But in the Eastern Conference, uh, so the top two seeds are pretty much solidified. Uh, there's a pretty big gap between uh, between Milwaukee and Toronto and the rest of the uh, uh, the rest of the top of the East, which is Indiana, Philly, and Boston. So I expect those two to hold on. So to me, um, the interesting thing is the bottom half, and that's Brooklyn, Charlotte, and Detroit are the last three spots with Orlando, Miami, and Washington on the outside. Brooklyn has a one-and-a-half uh, game advantage in the fir- in the sixth seed over the Hornets, and the Hornets have a half game over the Pistons, and the Pistons have a half game over the Orlando Magic and Miami Heat, who are tied, and the Wizards are a couple games back of that. So, Ken, kind of just give me, you know, your, your thoughts on, on that lower half, those last three seats in the East. Uh, do you think the three teams we have now, Brooklyn, Charlotte, and Detroit, is what we're going to have in April, or do you see one of those teams like Orlando and Miami jumping in? You know, it's it's, it's hard to tell. Like, uh, you know, we, we've seen the heat normally have pretty good runs um after the all-star break when, when things get a little bit more serious you know they're um they're quite an enigma because they don't really have a star and you know at one point i thought justice winslow was coming around and really taking over as as the guy but he's kind of falling off a little bit um as of lately and kind of been back to average but you know i think looking and at that that bottom three, uh, I, I think it'll hold. I think it'll hold. I think based on what I've seen from Blake Griffin, he loves playing in Detroit. He's saying he's saying all the right things. He's the number one guy, 
And Dwayne Casey, we know he can coach. And I think it's just taking him some time to kind of get used to the pieces he has there, figure out the rotations. You know, he's dumped some some what he considered, I would imagine, dead weight. And um, he got the guys he's going to work with. So he's in the middle of making the playoffs and, and slash rebuilding around Blake Griffin. But I think when I look at the Pistons, the Magic, and the Heat, I th- think those three um, will fight for that last spot. And you know what? I'm going to throw a bit of a wild card in here, actually. I, I say look out for the Wizards. And, and, and the reason why is that I think Bradley Bill can – and Bradley Bill, Bobby Portis, I think he can – Probably try to elevate that team to to that eight spot. And with John Wall gone, with him being a focal point, it wouldn't shock me if he puts the team on his back and try to get them into that eight spot. And I think it's, it's a spot that, that that could be open for him. So I'm going to throw them in the midst too. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm ready to write off Washington just because they've been a dumpster fire all season. But you know what? With Bradley Beal and the pieces that they have and the way the Eastern Conference is shaken out, it's certainly not a surprise. Would you uh, then, would you have Washington jumping Charlotte or Detroit or Brooklyn? Which of those teams would you have them jumping if you see them making it? So for Washington, they, they, their only chance at getting in would be the, the eight, eight seed. So I would say Detroit. So I would say. There is only a half a game difference, though, right now between Charlotte and Detroit. So those two could essentially flip-flop either way at this point. Yeah, they they could. And I think is how, how much do we believe in Kim Walker as right. the guy? And and that's the question. So, so man, I, I hate to say it, maybe Detroit, man. Um, you know, I know they, they've been playing. When you really look at the makeup of that team, I think the reason why they're in the eighth seed is because they're in the east. Obviously, yeah. we know with the losing record, but I, I think they could be up for grabs, you know, considering the, the, the state of the team and the roster and the pieces that they got rid of. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, Detroit's just a it, it's a mess. Blake Griffin's phenomenal, but everything else around that just does not fit whatsoever. And uh, it's, a, it's a pretty rough situation. Really, the only thing that's healed Detroit lately is Reggie Jackson is playing well. And. When Reggie Jackson had his worst month stretch from December to January, the Pistons coincidentally had their worst stretch. And I know Reggie Jackson's not good. I've been on the bandwagon to get him out of here, but he's better than what we have. So we need him as Piston fans to do well. And that's the key to the Pistons making the eighth seed or or the seventh or maybe even rising to the sixth. But the key, the the interesting thing with with me in the Eastern Conference is there's a little bit of a storyline that that I want to watch, and that's Indiana. So right now, Indiana obviously lost Victor Oladipo for uh, for the rest of the season, and they hold a half a game lead over Philadelphia, game and a half lead over Boston. So they're just barely holding on to that three seed right now. I don't expect them to hold on to it, but if they do. It would be really interesting because there's the four consensus teams in the East, right? Milwaukee, Toronto, Philadelphia, and Boston. And if Indiana holds on to that third seed, that means Philly and Boston have to face in the first round. And to me, with those two teams with championship aspirations, can both of those teams, either one of them, going home in the first round, that would be a crushing blow with the Celtics that could... 
that could almost certainly spell Kyrie Irving leaving Philadelphia. Would they want to pay money to Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler if they lost in the first round to the Boston Celtics? So it's it's a very interesting thing, and I think it could have major ramifications on the future of the Eastern Conference, really, if we if you think about it, Ken. Yeah, I agree, and and you know we we all expect Indiana to to fall off, um, and eventually either get into, I would say they could probably fall as, as low as seven, um, you know, losing Oladipo, who was a, who was a big piece on that team, um, but you know if things were to hold the way they are, and you know the the Boston Celtics end up facing each other in the first round, and somebody go home. Yeah, that that's 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 not going to be a good look. And if I, I was a betting man, I would bet on the just to take out the sisters because they just seem to have the number. And sometimes that's just the way things go in in basketball. So, and I think that's why it would be probably a little bit more detrimental to the seventy sisters than the Celtics because what does that say about that particular roster that they have that with all of those talented pieces. You know, with with they they go four deep in terms of stars. If you want to throw Tobias there, um, what 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 happens with 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 them? Because now at the end of the day, you still can beat the Celtics. They were your nemesis, so you start looking at those guys and you start looking at Jimmy Butler, especially depending on how it goes down. So you start looking at Jimmy Butler and um, Tobias Harris. How does he play in in, in a playoff environment? You know, what happens with Ben Simmons, you know, MB, all of those pieces. And you start looking at also Brett Brown. Yeah. You know, because if you have the talent, if you have the roster in the starting five and the bench, then it's coaching. And what happened to him last year against the Celtics, to go out and replicate that again in the playoffs, that's not going to be a good look. and He could be out of there. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think I think if either one of those teams went home in the first round, there's some type of major major change happening. Uh, with the Celtics, you wouldn't assume it's Brad Stevens. You would assume a roster movement, trade trades, or or just letting Kyrie go and then trying to rebuild around their young guys instead and kind of play the long game. But uh, but with Philly, you're right. Brett Brown absolutely would 100% be on the hot seat if he were to if he were to lose to Boston in the first round, and he might even be on the hot seat if he doesn't get out of the second round too. You know, because I mean, all 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 four of these teams have title aspirations. They all think that they can make it to the NBA Finals and compete with we presume the Golden State Warriors, and so. You know, anything less than that is going to be a disappointment. And the the fact of the matter is, three of those four teams are going to be disappointed come uh, come June, and that's and so there's going to be major ramifications. And I think in the seeding could play a big big factor in that. So let's jump to the let's jump to the West now because we're talking about the Warriors. Um, that to me is where we'll start. We'll get into the bottom of the race, and if we think the Lakers and will make it and all that. But to me, the other thing to watch in the West is is where Golden State ends because you're already seeing Houston. James Harden had an interview with Rachel Nichols on ESPN, and he talked about specifically chasing the third seed. And the reason he said that and the reason why it stuck with me is because the three seed or the two seed, if they land on that side of the bracket, 
they will be on the opposite side of the bracket and won't have to play the Warriors till the Western Conference Finals. So that shows that Harden saying that means it is heavily on his mind that he wants to make a charge and a push for that third seed and knock out um, and knock OKC back to the fourth and get on the other side of the bracket. Now they are four and a half games back as we speak with that loss to the Lakers last night. That uh, that really complicates things and that's a lot of ground to make up. Can with with Harden playing the way he's playing, uh, you've seen them winning more games, but maybe not winning at a at a great clip or a great enough clip to reach a three seed. I mean, where do you see Houston falling in the Western Conference? Uh, with the Rockets, I can see them getting as high as four, and, and the reason why I say that is because of the Blazers. And, and while I believe in Lillard, while I believe in McCollum, I don't believe in that roster, mm-hmm. and and I think that they could end up slipping. You know, as the Rockets continue to get healthier and they kind of start to get back to the way they played last. Now that Chris Paul is back and Capella is back and we'll see what Adelman does in terms of, you know, adjusting their style of play to fit the new the, the pieces that have returned. So that's going to be on him. So if, if they eventually end up doing that, I can see them getting as high as four. But that's it, because we've seen. I mean, we're seeing Paul George play at an elite level right now. We know defensively, you know, how, how they get down. And, you know, Westbrook is a stat stuffer. He does it all. And if he ever finds his jumper and his free throw shooting, then that's going to only take them to another level. So um, so for the Rockets, I think getting off to the slow start that they did, they're going to have to pay for it. So I only see them getting as high as four. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't see them. I don't see them reaching that three seed. I think at best they swap and get home court against Portland, and they gotta just pray that the Warriors kind of go lackadaisical and shut it down, and and Denver somehow gets the one seed over them. Uh, just quickly because we mentioned the Thunder, I just mentioned the Nuggets. We talked about the Rockets. Of those teams, who do you think is right now the biggest threat in the Western Conference to Golden State, and how real of a threat are they? Of the teams that you mentioned, yeah. Of well, I mean, we could pick anyone in the West, truthfully. But um, but to me, it it kind of comes down between three teams: Denver, Oklahoma, and Houston. I would say the Thunder. You yeah. know, Jokic can play. He's a bad boy. Um, he's a star, man. He's like a modern age of Vita Sabonis. You know, I I, I really admire and love the way you know his whole game, um, but. They still don't have, as much as a star as he is, they still play very Spurs-like, mm-hmm. whereas it's, it's all in, is everybody kind of contributing. And um, so I, I think the Thunder, man, and with the way Paul George is playing and the defense that they play, yeah, I can see them being a threat because you know Westbrook, with his intensity, takes it very, very serious. And he could go toe-to-toe, he meaning Paul George can go toe-to-toe with Durant. And that leaves Westbrook, of course, being a threat and a, a force, you know, against Curry. So then that leaves everybody else. And that's where guys like Clay and Boogie, you know, you know come into play. And that's where, of course, they would get the advantage. But that's where you also have their lockdown defense can also, you know, cause problems for the Warriors. So um, I think if anybody out, out of those two, it would be – the thunder because at the end of the day you still need to be able to give the ball to somebody 
and say, hey, go get me a bucket or go take me home. And with the Thunder, they have that in Paul George. Yeah, 100%, man. Paul George is playing like the third MVP candidate right now. He is absolutely out of his mind exceptional. Um, Both ends of the four, like you said. I mean, he'd be my pick for defensive player of the year today just with how good he is on the perimeter and not to mention, you know, how he's playing on offense. So I agree. I think the Thunder are the biggest threat to the Warriors right now. And, you know, plus... Ken, like we know that with Westbrook, it's super personal against against Golden State, so that kind of takes it another level mm-hmm. too, right? So, um, I I like I like what the Thunder are doing this year. I like the way they played. They've come together better than I thought. And you know, a, an interesting thing is uh, is what Andre Roberson if he can if he can come back and what he can be for the Thunder, um, what he can be defensively. Like if he could be another guy. That can that can just be a, a a body to throw on a clay on a Durant on a Curry, um, and and he can do elite defense. Then I think OKC has a a pretty real shot because Boogie is not gonna bully Stephen Adams, and he's not go- and so so OKC is going to be a team that can that can f- play physical with with Golden State to a level that they're uncomfortable, and we've seen in the past can like. All of Golden State's biggest series and biggest troubles were Memphis, Cleveland, all those teams that just made it ugly for them, made it physical, made them grind it out. So I, I'm with you 100%. I think OKC is the best uh, threat to knock off the, the Golden State Warriors. I mean, right now, would you say, give me a percentage. I mean, what what kind of percentage would you think is the likelihood of OKC actually winning the series when it comes down to it, though? Uh, uh, and okay, so let's see. Um, so that's a good point about Stephen Adams and, and Boogie, yep. um, because Stephen Adams is 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 no punk, so he can be just as physical. And then you know Jeremy Grant, I, you know I, I've given him, I've been down on him in the past, but he's definitely improved his game some this year. So he, he's he's definitely uh, impacting the game offensively in a positive way. Um. Dennis Schroeder, I think, has been a great uh, trade acquisition for them because, you know, they don't lose much when they go to the bench. So he can come in and, and play meaningful minutes and and um, keep things going for Oklahoma. And if Roberson is back, that's a good point about Clay. Uh, percentage. I'm trying to talk myself into percentage by naming all this stuff. Nerlis Noel, forgot about him. Yep. Uh, the Warriors are still the Warriors, man. Yeah. Um, I would give them a four, thirty to forty percent chance. Yeah, that's about the that's beating, about the ballpark. The, the, the yeah, that's about yeah. what I'm sitting at, and I I think I think it's you know again they wouldn't be the favorites by any means, but I think you know push comes to shove, we've seen the tension the inner tension that exists between that team too in the Warriors, uh, things can get haywire and we we forget how close Golden State was to losing last year in the playoffs. And so, you know, it, despite them being this unbeatable team, every, every team is beatable at the end of the day. So uh, that being said, I'm, I'm not betting against the Warriors losing at all. Let's talk the bottom of the Western Conference though. Um, we got... 
the the Clippers, the Spurs, the Sacramento Kings, and the Lakers. So it's a four-team race for two spots, in my opinion. I mean, I guess you could throw in Utah, too, since they're tied with San Antonio. But they're they're most likely in. Um, of, the, of those four to five teams, you know, in, in those three spots, I mean, who do you think... Who do you think gets those spots? Right now it's Utah, San Antonio, and the Clippers with the Kings and Lakers looking out. Do you think it stays like that, or do you think one of those teams in Sacramento or L.A. jumps in? Well, the Lakers are going to get in. Um, that's without a doubt. So we know the Clippers are going to fall out. Um, they've given up on the season. They have no desire to make the playoffs. So it's really going to be up to Doc Rivers and the guys that he has on that team, but they just don't have enough. So when you start playing some of those top-tier teams, those are going to be losses that's going to pile up. We saw what LeBron was able to do last night. I do have some concerns based on how that game went, um, but I think it could be it could be a key, key game for them in, in how they came together. Uh, the Kings, I love everything about Kings, man. I love Darian Fox. You know, I love Buddy Hill. You know, uh, Bagley's you know, a guy that, that's been Bajanovic has, has come in. So, and, and and they really believe that they belong. Yeah. So, I like them a lot. But, and, and, and I say that because of just what happened last night and how tough they played the Warriors. And Bagley's like, man, we're, we're right there. We just got to figure out how to get over the hump. You know, that says something to me. Um, so, for me, they would be the one – team that would concern me when it comes to that eighth spot but I think experience matters and and they don't have a LeBron so when these games become crucial I I can see them you know faltering and when the the Lakers get Lonzo back and they get fully healthy they can get back to the way they were playing before LeBron got hurt so So then you're looking at the Jazz, and, and so the Jazz, they got off to a slow start. They finally turned things around. Donovan Mitchell is playing good, good ball again. Um, so then you're looking at the Spurs, and they're 33 and 6, 26, just the greatness of pop. Like, let's, let's be real. Yeah. And, and I know they got Aldrich, and I, I know they got DeRozan, but that's it. That's really all they got. So pop could keep them in the seventh spot. But it wouldn't surprise me if things just went south for them because they have their moments, and they're not really good on the road either. Um, so I think with that eight spot, I think that's the only one that's up for grabs, honestly. I think the Lakers will get it. I, I, I'll pick LeBron over the Clippers and the Kings. Yeah. That's kind of what day. it comes, comes down to to me. Um, you know, this is really a, the ultimate test of my of my two rules in sports. Don't bet against the Spurs and don't bet against LeBron. <laughs> and so that's kind of how I see <laughs> things shaking out is LeBron's going to find a way to get that A seed. You're right. There was a lot of concern. They had to play Kuzma a lot at the five. There were stretches where everybody on the Lakers roster on offense just looked uncomfortable outside of LeBron. And, you know, and so there are real concerns there. But at the end of the day, I think I think I think you're right. I think I'm a little bit higher on on where the Clippers are at than than you right now, but I still don't see them as a team that's better than the Lakers if they go head to head right now. 
and I don't trust them, even though they have a lot of depth, I don't trust them to sustain this level of play over the rest of the season as these games and the pressure increases. And Sacramento, you know, I love them. They've done very well, like you said, this year. They're, they're an easy team to root for. They're a fun team to watch. I love everything they're doing. they got a bright future. But I just think that this is, as Buddy Heel talked about, that bitter taste in their mouth that they... I think I think that's kind of an analogy for how this season is going to go for them. I think this is going to be a season where where they're just going to be right on the verge of that, and it's going to come down to that final week of this of this regular season, and the Lakers are just going to find a way to take it, and the Kings and Clippers will be on the outside, and the Kings, you know that that'll be that'll be a good little um, hunger check, and you know, and kind of a motivation for that for that young team. That's kind of how I see things playing out. Uh, what is, you know, you talked about your concerns. Are your concerns the same as mine with the Lakers, that the, the players just don't look comfortable outside of LeBron and, and they, they're just their roster just doesn't really fit around him too well at this point? You know, well, here, here's the thing. I think it I think it can fit. I think it's going to come down to, to, to Walton figure, finally figuring out what he's going to do with the rotations. The man has been all over the place. And, and you know, and even when they were healthy, he just he just doesn't know how to put these pieces together. But what I saw from them last night when they were down, and they looked like they were th- those the 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 trade season was still somewhat lingering. Of course, the All Star break, but I love the way that, and I don't know what happened. And I, it, it's only one game. But it seemed like there was a fundamental shift in in Brandon Ingram's game, and he attacked the basket a lot more than he has been before. And um, he he thinks he's a jump shooter, and he's he's just not fully there yet. But his ability to get to the get to his spots uh, was somewhat LeBron like last night. Yeah, and, um, definitely. And if he could. Yeah, and if he can continue to do that and just become that second threat, he looked way more relaxed and composed, and he was picking spots um, a lot better than he has in the past when LeBron was out and he was forced to be the guy. Last night he was comfortable as as the second guy on the team. And everybody else is kind of starting to you know, find their place. Bullock hit threes. That's what he's there to do. Muscala, when he get healthy, he's going to be able to come in and hit threes and spread the court a little bit more. So, um, but they came together as a team last night against the Rockets, who are extremely hot, and they won that game. And that could be a big confidence booster because at the end of the day, you know, what do you guys want to do? Do you guys just want to be bitter and not know what's going to happen in the off season, or do you want to get to the playoffs and and and, and make this season? worth something and try to make a run at it so I think that game could be a building block for Luke Walton and LeBron because we know LeBron's going to bring it but can he rally and inspire the rest of the guys to do the same and looking at that I know everybody's talking about AD and and all this other stuff but let's let's not forget like at the end of the day Ingram and even Lonzo I'm still somewhat iffy on Lonzo they still have a lot of talent, and we already know what Kuzma is. So they still have guys that are very, very early in their career. And getting to the playoffs could mean a lot for them for the remainder of the three years of LeBron's contract. So, And LeBron has said it. He's in playoff mode already. I think his pride, his legacy, you know, 
is on the line, and I don't see him willing to give that up for the sake of trying to make a statement. So I think he's going to definitely try to get to the playoffs. Yeah, I I agree. I agree with pretty much everything you said there. I, I and you brought up Lonzo, and that's a huge point for me. I I mean, you look at you look at this defense, and he is a huge cog in their defensive system. Like they are a much better defensive team when, with Lonzo on the court, and I and I really like the way uh, Lonzo just kind of energizes the unit, and he he really is crucial to not only defense but transition offense. He really helps out a lot, so he's gonna be, he's gonna be huge when he comes back for for the Lakers as well. And I think at the end of the day, you're right. LeBron's in playoff mode. LeBron's not gonna allow it to. LeBron's just not gonna allow this season to go down this way. And he's gonna he's gonna find a way. And the pieces around him fit enough. They're not perfect, but they fit enough yeah. that I think that I think LeBron can definitely make a push for that for that final spot and get it. And then it will be really interesting to see a Golden State, uh, Los Angeles Lakers first round series. Well, yeah, and, and and that's the thing. So when I think about LeBron and what he could possibly be thinking is like, do I really want to play the Warriors in the first round and get put out in the first round of the playoffs? You know, how would that look, reflect on me? You know, as a, as a player losing to this team again? You know, in, yeah. in spite like in, in context, we understand it, but. History sometimes is devoid of contests. They just look at the records. So, yeah. you know, so is, is LeBron going to be thinking like, well, if, if we don't make it, maybe it's not so bad because, you know, um, we get a high draft pick, whatever that is, and then I don't have to um, lose to the Warriors again with another team that we all know isn't talented enough to even really compete, even though they beat them once. It, but we still know at the end of the day they're not talented enough to, to beat them in the seven-game series. So, real quick, um, I just got to ask you, what do you think about the Bucks? What do I think they're about the number the one seed? Yeah, number one seed, Giannis. They got the coach, and, and are they legit? Do you think they're legit? I think I think they are legit. You know, I think they really are. Despite having only, you know, I know we love to count stars, and they only have one, but those pieces around him just fit so perfectly. Like I was watching that Boston game last night, and those pieces mm-hmm. just fit so perfectly that it's like, okay, you know what? Giannis is a physical beast that just, I mean, you, you're you're really not going to be able to, to totally stop Giannis because he's just one of a kind athlete. And so with that being said, you know, there, it, it's not like he is a 6'5 shooting guard that you can lock down. He's a 7-foot small forward that can do it all. So as long as Giannis is still Giannis, that creates for all those other shooters, and they are loaded with shooters. And I think I think they have enough to be for real uh, and and really challenge for, for the NBA Finals. Now, at the end of the day, I don't know if I'd pick them number one. I might. Just because Boston has a lot of issues and that seem to be internal, Toronto I just don't trust. Um, but I like what they're doing. I, I like how they're playing. But I just something tells me that something tells me I got to dig deeper and really before I really trust them. And and with Philadelphia, you know, we talked about it. All that talent in the world, but they're a team that seemed to implode. I mean, last year Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid were 
were struggling in the playoffs last year against the Celtics, and they weren't even a great defensive team last year. They were solid, but they weren't great. So a team like Milwaukee could uh, could really do it. So yeah, I think they have a, as real a shot as any of those four teams to make the to make the NBA Finals. You know, um, I I think you know everybody's in, in wait and see, but I, I just I want to be fair and respect the record, like when, like it's and just at least you know everybody want to talk about Philly and and of course the Celtics and deservedly so, but at the end of the day, the Bucks are still the number one seed, and you know just just to make sure that we we're doing our uh, uh, making sure that we on our p's and q's and doing our mm-hmm. due diligence, you know. Just make sure that we, we recognize – because I think this happened last year a little bit, right, when yeah. the Rockets were just obliviating everybody and nobody – they were really talking about it. And then on our show, we were the first ones that were like, yo, like, is anybody seeing with the Rockets? I think they're for real. And so now I finally come around to the Bucks and was like – and I watched that game today on League Pass. And, I, and just like you, I like what they're doing. And they've somewhat had all of these pieces, right, but they didn't have the coach. And now they have the coach – that can and we we're seeing his impact so he's he's been able to take them from wherever they were last year i can't remember to like the number one seed and you can say part of that has to do with the celtics falling down to a fifth and, and the sisters falling for a fourth seed but at the end of the day it is what it is so um so yeah so you know talking playoffs i just want to make sure that we at least acknowledge where they are in the east so that you know they get their uh, their respect. Now it's up for them to keep it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know. So anyway, that was that was it. That's all I had. Yeah, man. I, I I'm glad you brought up the Bucks because the Bucks are phenomenal right now, uh, and they are. You know, they're a team that could end up winning like 68 games in the regular season, and you're like, whoa, this team is next level good, and they got the highest point differential. Their average is their average win is by 10 points per game. So not only are they winning, but they're but they're winning comfortably against most teams in the league and have the best record. So, yeah, I give I give them a real shot. And you know, at the end of the day, I'm somebody who believes who believes in just the sheer physics of basketball, right? Like so much of why LeBron is LeBron is because mm-hmm. of his physical dominance. And you know, and Giannis is is one of those guys that to me is just so physically like who in the Eastern Conference can really guard him? You can't put. You you can't put Embiid on him. You can put Kawhi on him, but there's still there's still a, a size and a and a strength mismatch there. And so at the end of the day, I mean, really, there, Giannis is going to be Giannis against pretty much anyone in the in the NBA. And sometimes teams sneak up on us that we yeah. don't see because we're so accustomed to talking about the ones that everybody's talking about. Like the Detroit Pistons snuck them on everybody. And that's the you know they 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 were like a championship team. The Warriors, like we saw it because they were kind of splashy with it. But still, at the end of the day, they were like, ah, you know, it's the Warriors, whatever. Then next thing you know, here they are. So yeah. you know, so some sometimes you have teams like this that can kind of sneak up on you that you acknowledge that they're winning, but you don't really take them as a legit threat. So um, and Milwaukee with just one change at head coach. Could be the could be another team that that just sneak up on us, and Giannis could propel and become the new guy and the man in the East. And everybody's looking at the Sixers and Embiid and Ben Simmons and, and Kyrie and 
you know, Brad Stevens and here Giannis is just dominating. You know, so yeah. anyway. Yeah, man. I'm I'm glad you brought it up. I always I always love to give the Bucks love, so I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. But thank you for coming on, Ken. As always, as Ken of Dead End Hip Hop, Dead End Sports, Dead End Gaming, Dead End Everything. Ken, what it, what are you up to in the Dead End world right now? Right now, we um, man, we just put out a, a trailer for a new podcast that we did. It was on the Instamite Salon uh, that you guys may have heard for the Frames Per Second. So that's our movie review and TV recap show that we're doing. And we are actually uh, working on two more um, that we've been recording for. We recorded one uh, Wednesday. And... Uh, for the last two weekends, we've been recording another one, so we're almost ready to uh, to drop those out. But but um but yeah, frames per second is finally out, and um so you can go subscribe to it. I think it should be in iTunes, and it's gonna eventually push out everywhere. And um and we did uh the first one we did is if Bill Street could talk, so um, I'll have that up for you. And then of course the Oscar talk we did, we're gonna be recapping of course Walking Dead. So there's that. That's I'm really excited about it. I think that's fun. We partnered with Nick from the No Disrespect podcast on it. Um, so we kept finalized the idea that he brought to us last December. So I'm really excited to uh, – and Nick is also on the Dead and Sports podcast, by the way, for those listening. So um, so we got a real good chemistry. He's a bright uh, young kid. So I'm look, really looking forward to uh, working with him on that. So that's the latest, man, with with everything that you know we're, we're doing. So we're adding to the roster of shows. And, um, and yeah, like you said earlier in the upfront and just a few minutes ago, everything else is dead end. So, but uh, people just go to Dead End Podcast and they'll be able to find your show and everything else on there. So that's the easiest way to tell people to go uh, check out what we're doing. Yeah, man, check out Dead End. They're stacking up stars like it's Philadelphia out here. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, be sure to check out their podcast. Like it, like I said in in another podcast, I, I mentioned this before, but I I gotta mention it since you're here, so I can give you I can give you the flowers while you can still smell them. And that is that your dead end or sorry your dead end Walking Dead reviews are phenomenal. I love you guys talking about the Walking Dead. I gave up on that show, but I listened to your guys' podcast. I don't even know what's going on in the show outside of you guys, but man, I love it. Oh, appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's fun, man. We enjoy just kind of just talking through. Appreciate that. It's it's good to kind of hear that feedback because um, you sometimes really never know how these things come across. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I appreciate it. But no, no problem, Ken. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm gonna have to have you back on soon. Mm-hmm.